Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zentner Geology Podcast, Episode 73, Lodge Stick Bluff. Thanks for listening. I am going to be talking about a rather unique petrified log that is pressed against a sheer basalt cliff overlooking the Columbia River. It's, it's just what it sounds, Lodge Stick Bluff. And there's some human history, and there's a little bit of Native American history, and there's a little bit of recent history as far as how I was able to learn about this Lodge Stick Bluff, how I was able to get some help learning about it, and then just the logistics of getting over there and looking carefully at the log. So that's the purpose of this episode of the of the radio series, otherwise known as a podcast. But I got a couple preambles, of course, before we get into that. It's late August, and we are finally cooling down. And I know, I know, if you're in Phoenix or something else, or even in the East Coast, you're baking right now. I get it. But, boy, it was quite a stretch for us here, weather-wise, between late June and late August. Two solid months of very high temperatures. And I mention that because... In addition to the high temperatures and the smoke and the haze that's in the air from all the wildfires in the area, and now the frickin' Delta variant coming through, and we've got uh, more reasons to be hesitant about gathering. I did like that idea about pop-up geology. I haven't abandoned the idea by any means, but temperatures, air quality, um, virus, (laughs) it just feels like there's it's not smart to get people together. There's even a moratorium on using public lands here in eastern Washington due to extreme fire danger. So I'm still just kind of in a holding pattern with that. Um, okay, fine. Still having microphone problems. I have a new microphone ordered. Um, I want to use a new laptop, and, and so I'm still kind of using the old laptop. And as I mentioned last time, I can't find the previous settings that I had, which I really like, so this one's kind of distorted. But I still, regardless, I just wanted to get this out there. So I assume you can hear my voice and hear the words I'm saying, even though it's not quite the the sound that I like. Last preamble is that um, our fall quarter does not begin until the third week in September. That's what academic quarters are like compared to academic semesters at many universities. And of course, public schools here in the United States typically are starting about this time, late August, or in the case of Ellensburg High School, where my wife teaches, uh, we always start right after Labor Day weekend, the Wednesday after Labor Day weekend. So I mentioned that because I'm I'm kind of back to school mode, and I, I like a routine, and I like to teach, and I'm thinking about uh, what I'm teaching this fall, but I'm also thinking um, seriously about the new Alphabet live stream series that I mentioned briefly last time. Uh, I'm uh, I'm working out the details, um, starting to think about how I want to operate with the live stream. I did get the green light from Liz to do it from home. I really want to try to do it from home again. I, I like. There's many reasons I like doing those live stream series here at home. Um, so stay tuned on that. I'll update you if you're if you're waiting for the next series of live streams. I continue to not only watch the exotic terrain A to Z live streams from a year ago, 
what I've been, this is massive narcissism. I've been driving up in the North Cascades and listening to these podcasts. <laughs> oh, God. So I'm like looking longingly in the rearview mirror at myself as I listen to myself uh, on a podcast. It's absolutely revolting on many levels. But uh, I share it with you because as I listen to many of the things I've been doing over the last year, I'm kind of actively jotting down kind of unfinished business or review concepts that will be helpful to set up the new series of live streams, which will focus on the Eocene. It'll be called the Eocene A to Z here in the Pacific Northwest. But my point is I'm, I'm kind of in, in prep mode for that, and it feels good to start working uh, on a, a new project, more or less, quote-unquote. Okay, five minutes in, let's get to the Lodgestick Bluff story. Um, three years ago, maybe, I was on a boat. Gary Fabian, who lives Sunland Estates, is that right? No, Sunland? What's it called? Not the Crescent Bar area, but to the south. Is that Sun? Yeah, that's Sunland Estates. Okay. So Gary uh, is a guy who's come to a couple lectures and knew about my stuff. And he said, hey, man, I got, I got this boat and I would be happy to take you and maybe a couple of students or whoever on the river if you had any reason to do that. And so I contacted Gary and said, thanks very much. I would like to drop in with the cameraman that I have, Chris Smart. This is back when we were doing the PBS Nick on the Rocks episodes, and we were filming, must have been three years ago, we were filming a uh, giant current ripples episode. So we're boating uh, below the stage at the Gorge Amphitheater, and we were getting over to West Bar to film at the Ripples. And after our filming, Gary, on the way back to his house, on his boat, said, I want to show you something. Have you, do you know about this, this log, this petrified log that's that's up on this wall? And I said, no, I don't, never heard of that. So we kind of hovered underneath this log and I didn't have binoculars and uh, we didn't have any way to kind of, you know, get a, a close up look. That log was maybe 500 feet above the river. Uh, but it was intriguing to me. And I got back uh, home and did a little bit of Googling and emailing a couple of people I knew. And they said, oh, yeah, that's in the olden days, that was called Lodge Stick Bluff. So it's the western side of the Columbia River. It's a sheer wall of, I don't know, 700 feet high, something like that. It's it's flood basalt layers, one on top of another. They're the Grand Ronde lavas erupting between 16.5 and 16.1 million years ago. And there are a couple of horizons in those Grand Ronde lavas that yield petrified logs. But the fact that this, this log is just vertical and appears to just kind of be stuck on the cliff is really amazing. So Gary wasn't the first to notice this, of course, and that's what got me into sharing what I knew about Lodgestick Bluff uh, with some of the live streams last year, and then some fans of the live streams were then doing their own research, uh, Bruce and Jim and a few others, 
or emailing me information. And so the upshot of this is that I learned mainly through viewer help, uh, very kind, generous folks who are supplying information. I'm looking at the attachment that uh, Bruce sent me right here. So there were multiple 19th century trips down the Columbia River. And three of them made particular note about this hanging log. Um, Samuel Parker came down the Columbia in 1842. David Burr, oh, a little bit earlier, oh, made a map in 1839. And Lieutenant Thomas Simons came down the Columbia River past this hanging log, as we'll call it, in 1881. So let me describe to you a little bit of a couple of quick passages from those guys. You know, these are early white guys coming down the river. Now, the Native Americans knew about that hanging log, of course. And Randy Lewis, in one of the uh, recent YouTube videos that we did, referred to that log. Uh, it's in the uh, Stimelt Spires video. I, I forget now what Larry, I, what uh, Randy said specifically. Something of, well, I don't even want to paraphrase. I'll get it wrong. So anyway, that, that log has been part of Native American stories for quite some time, thousands of years, of course. But here comes Samuel Parker in the 1840, 1842. And he says, In the afternoon, we passed a particular section of rock 250 feet high, halfway to the top of which a petrified tree of considerable magnitude is suspended. It appears to be retained in its place by having its roots inserted into the crevices of the rocks between layers of different eruptions. How it procured its elevated situation is quite a mystery. It could not have vegetated there unless at the time of its growth it was supported by a surface upon which to rise, and taking a present condition of the rocks, it could not be deposited there by any floods of the river, and certainly it could not, in such case, intertwine its roots in the crevices of the rocks. Gentlemen of the Hudson Bay Company and others who navigated this river have amused themselves by shooting off pieces with their rifles. Nice. And they assured me it was wholly petrified. Our encampment this evening was a few miles above Long Rapids, which extend nine miles. Okay, so that's from 1842. And a couple of years earlier, David Burr, uh, it's the title of the map, I guess I don't have it, uh, but there's an 1839 map that's a beautiful work of art that has just a few key features. 1839, for goodness sake. And it's the first kind of notation of this petrified tree. And he just writes petrified tree on this map. And for a while, I thought maybe that map was referring to a standing petrified log that I've used in a two-minute geology video that's in the Ginkgo uh, State Park. Uh, but it's now clear that uh, that Burr map in 1839 was talking about this lodge stick. Uh, finally, uh, in 1882, Thomas Simons coming down the river has a different take on it. 
I mean, we're approaching the 20th century now, right? 1882. Here's Simons in his journal. The portions of the river in which the rock is situated is very grand and beautiful. The banks are nearly precipitous bluffs composed of columnar black basalt, which takes many wonderful shapes and produces many pleasing effects, rivaling the famous Giant's Causeway of Ireland in weird beauty. The columns are in every conceivable position, sometimes piled up like cordwood, in some places erect, and in other places inclined. Some great masses are twisted and bent, forming niches, arches, grottoes, crowns, etc. In one of these niches, a thousand feet above the river, there lies in inclined position a stick of timber, barkless and white with age. It never grew there. It's a thousand feet from the top of the vertical bluffs and could not have been put there from above. The only way in which it could have reached its present position was by being caught there when the river was a thousand feet higher than it is now. My God, I timed these podcast episodes with Bijou the cat eating his meals. It's almost like I'm doing it on purpose, for goodness sake. I'm not. Oh, my God. And he's sleeping so hard he's not even coming down to eat? Oh, no, he's there. Of course. Doesn't sleep that hard. Back to Thomas Simons, 1882. My pilot, old Pierre, an Indian pilot and voyageur of the old Hudson Bay Company, said that this log was a landmark in the days when this company transported their furs and merchandise up and down the river in Bateau. He says the Indians always considered that the log was left there when the river was up at that height. This is one link in chain of evidence that proves that at no distant date the Columbia was a stream of such magnificent proportions that present river is a tiny rivulet compared with it. If this be the true explanation of the location of this log, it is a remarkable example of the preservation of wood for a long time. It may be that the log is petrified, but I have no means of getting at it to determine. Okay. So, you know, you're like, oh, this sounds good. Like this guy in 1882 uh, translating from Native American stories, uh, maybe that's like the first time people were thinking about these huge floods, which we now know is a thing, these Ice Age floods that came down to Columbia. But let's not get carried away. The Native Americans were on so many of the geologic angles of Washington State, for sure. But in this case, we don't want to think about an Ice Age flood bringing a log, petrified or not, getting it vertically and like jamming it into the wall. Instead, for sure, for sure, lodge stick, in other words, the vertical petrified log. And you're like, give me a, give me a picture, man. Well, it's an audio podcast, number one. Show me what this thing looks like. Well. I'll talk about shooting the video that we did earlier this summer in just a second. That's coming. So, petrified or not, if this is not an Ice Age flood story. This is not a Columbia River story for sure. Instead, that vertical petrified log in the lava flow is just that. It's in the lava. It's in the base of the lava. It's in within the pillows of one basaltic eruption. 
And if you get to know the petrified wood, the petrified logs of central Washington, you know that all the petrified logs are from the Miocene. They are from 16.5 to 16.1 million years ago, and even a little bit younger. But the point is, it's back when these lavas were molten. And that's a whole separate story, which I'm sure that I've talked about before, about creating petrified wood by having lavas bury a landscape, having water protect the logs, having minerals from the entombing lava soak into the wood and replace the wood and have it petrified. You know, there are other places in central Washington where there are not only petrified logs within pillow basalts from 16 million years ago, but they're vertical. A place that I visited only once because the guy's very protective of his property and not trusting many folks. I'm not sure he even really trusted me when I was up there. There's a guy named Clyde who has property uh, high on a ridge overlooking Yakima. And he has a quarry of vertical petrified logs. But they're vertical not because of their growth position, and that's where get people get hung up. Let's not go there. So this 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 vertical log that we're talking about today that happens to be exposed above the Columbia River is in place. And what I said in the video and what I'll say again right now is that it's it's a question of erosion. How much did the Ice Age floods uh, rip the salt away from that face during these cataclysmic floods of water, which is a for sure thing. And therefore, not only how much basalt was removed from that cliff, how many logs, how many petrified logs that were, again, in this uh, German chocolate cake stratigraphy were, were removed and shattered as well. So it's a freak story of a vertical petrified log just happening to be exposed above the Columbia River. And if we bring in more Ice Age floods and we erode more of the basalt on that face, we will expose different logs, which today are completely in the dark, entombed behind that, that, that face. That's the geology of this. It's a Miocene story. It's fascinating from many angles, including these reports from these white guys coming down the river in the 1800s. Okay, the last 10 minutes of this episode is talking about what I did this summer to try to capture this. Because, you know, Simon says it's a thousand feet above the river. Somebody else says it's whatever, 500 feet above the river. I think it's about 700 feet above the river. The river's a lake, of course. There's a bunch of dams on the river now. But I wanted to find somebody to fly a drone and zoom real close to that wall and get some detailed video of that. Now, to be fair, Gary, was the, the boat guy, Gary, uh, had a buddy, uh, and they flew the drone up and got a couple images, which were helpful. Uh, I've had some folks take photos from across the river. Uh, 
but I, 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 I wanted to kind of capture it artistically if possible. And I, I was so into this log that I tried to convince the producers of the PBS show to do a show on that. And they said, no, eh, that's not, not attractive enough or whatever, like too ugly or something. I'm like, okay, I think it's pretty cool. So last year during the live streaming that I was doing, uh, I contacted out of the blue a guy named Jason who lives in Wenatchee. And he has a Facebook page and an Instagram page called Moto JW, M-O-T-O-J-W. He's an amateur. He's got a day job. Um, and we did a live stream together up on Saddle Rock during those five live streams a week that I was doing. I was getting creative. I was trying to basically keep going and find new things to do. And so Jason flew his drone on a windy night in June of 2020 maybe May. And uh, it was fun. I met him for the first time, flew the thing up, talked to him like we were old friends. And uh, and that was that. Well, I kind of really kind of wanted to do this Lodgestick Bluff show. Um, and I talked about it at the pop-up live stream uh, thing in mid-July. And it's like, I got to go over and scout out the best place that I could maybe find a drone person and like, where could they stand and lift their drone from terrible grammar. So I went over by myself on a Monday morning and I'm screwing around just on the east bank of the Columbia. This is near the Gorge Amphitheater, but it's south of that. Is it south? No, it's north of that. Um, and it's kind of on the road to Potholes Coulee, or Ancient Lakes, as it's known locally. So you kind of go to Quincy, Washington, and then, you, what is it, Road 9, I think it is, and you take Road 9 through a bunch of fields, and then suddenly you do this dramatic drop to the Columbia. It's a really cool little drive. And if you follow that drive on the bench, where I did pop-up event number one, just keep going south. Again, we're on the east side of the Columbia. You've, the, the road eventually dead ends, and that's a trailhead for some hiking in, in Potholes Coulee. Well, it had been a few years since I'd been in there, and there was an enormous house that I don't re that I was sure wasn't there 10 years ago when I was in there a lot with Tom Foster. And, you know, um, sometimes I am in the mood to be a little bold. So in this case, I was bold. And I knocked on the door. <laughs> no, I'll correct my answer. I'll correct my story. It's private land, number one. I, I shouldn't have just pulled in the drive, but I did. And I, I approached the house, and I got this white central car, so it looks kind of official. And I don't know. I shouldn't tell this part of the story. I'm not going to tell this part of the story. I don't want other people going in there, is my point. There's a private house. The owners were very kind. They knew me from television, mainly. And they said, hey, if you want to come back uh, with a drone person, by all means. So I got their text and uh, text number, phone number. And maybe a week later, I said, hey, can I come over on a... I think it was a Sunday morning. 
And I've got my drone buddy from Wenatchee, Jason, and he says we got to be there at first light. So we got to be at your place at like, I forget what it was, but it was like maybe six o'clock or something. You know, this is in July. There's still long days here in central Washington. And so Jason got up real early. It was a Sunday now that I think about it. And uh, he's like, where are we going? I said, I'll meet you uh, at the end of the road, potholes coolie, and then we'll, we'll go into this uh, driveway together. And the owner was already up, and he knew that we were coming, and he had coffee ready for us. And I started filming as soon as we got out of the cars, and we, I filmed just as we went right through their living room. <laughs> and and the gentleman was so kind. He said, "You know, we can we can get you all set up." And I said, uh, well, "We're kind of preoccupied. Uh, we're going to head out to the to the bench, and Jason's going to fly his drone for 45 minutes, and then we'll come in and visit. If you're okay with that?" He said, "Sure." So this is all captured in this video. If, if you're not a video watcher, but you're intrigued now after hearing this uh, radio episode, my YouTube channel, it's called just Lodgestick Bluff. And Jason just came through in flying colors. And he probably even did better work than I shared because he sent me a bunch of files. Like, you know, you fly a drone, then you've got all these enormous video files. And it was like a, a challenge for me to like download the video files onto my computer. And then I didn't know how to color correct or whatever a, a video file, if you even can. So I think he does some editing of his videos or his stills that he usually does uh, from his drone and makes them look super sexy. So... I haven't visited with him since I posted that video, but there's a chance he's kind of sought and went, what the hell, man? I gave you this amazing footage and you're you're putting the raw stuff in your video. You, you didn't even color correct it or made it. I have no idea. But despite that, uh, I think what he captured, where he truly just, we're standing on one side of the river, he's flying his drone effortlessly across the river He's approaching the cliff in an artistic way. He's hovering the drone like a freaking hummingbird right next to this log and capturing this amazing detail, which, of course, these guys in their boats uh, 500 or more feet below would have killed to see. Yes, you can see where the logs were shot. I mean, the whole thing, man. But the fact that it was captured so beautifully by Jason, and I did my best to kind of storytell in the video, kind of like I'm doing now, was a fun um, marriage of a bunch of things. A little bit of Native American, a little bit of white guy stuff coming down the river, a little bit of viewer help, a little bit of local stuff that I knew from the petrified layers uh, within sandwiched in between these Columbia River basalt lavas. Uh, the, the local landowners who were very kind. And if you catch the West Bar pop-up geology, you can see at the very end, a gentleman who introduces himself live and says, everybody wants to come over to my house. I'll show you this, this log that Nick's talking about. So, you know, we had 75 people at this event, and I think, more than 50 of them uh, took him up on it, and we all walked through his house. <laughs> uh, 
and he had a you know binocular set up so people could see it. So it was it was maybe that's part of the reason I've been gun shy on this uh, pop up thing because that first one went so well. I I I feel like I need to match it or exceed it, and I I can't quite find the right place. Anyway, um, that's kind of the story of Lodge Stick Bluff, and I don't think I'll do much more with it. Um, unless there's a another reason to go over there. But I'll, I'll finish this episode by zooming back out and saying this summer has been fun. Last episode I of the radio program, I kind of went through my little laundry list of videos that you might be interested in. Uh, but I'm now kind of uh, pulling away from all these Ice Age things and Miocene things and petrified wood things. I've been kind of scattered is my point. There's been no structure. There's been no pattern. There's been no schedule. And of course, it's summertime. That feels great to have this kind of freedom to do what I want when I want. But I like routine and I'm starting to lock back into a specific plan as September approaches. That means I'm taking all the Ice Age stuff and all the lava and all the petrified wood and all these other uh, kind of cursory areas of interest for the summer. I'm physically putting those away. I'm boxing those back up. Maybe I'll look at them again next summer. But all that I have out now at school and here in the house and on my computer and the PDFs and everything else, I'm getting back to the exotic terrain stuff and how... I can connect the exotic terrain background with this new stuff I've been learning about the Eocene. So essentially, I'm back to the North Cascades. And the way that I work, in case you're interested, is I can't keep all these things going in my brain. I just can't do it. I get paralyzed. I do get overwhelmed. Not often, but I, but I do when I'm trying to think about too many things at once. So I need to physically remove all these distractions, these maps, these everything else. Even if I get emails about certain topics, if it's not in my kind of locked-in zone, um, I don't respond or I respond very quickly, uh, briefly. And yes, I'm still blowing off most of the emails I'm receiving, and I, I feel terrible saying it that way, but that's the reality, just to try to keep things moving. But, you know, occasionally I am hearing uh, from people or getting tips or getting leads or getting whatevers uh, about the Eocene. Oh, boy, I'm, I'm bookmarking those puppies. And uh, it feels good to have a bunch of stuff ready to go. And then I can dive in this fall, especially when the weather deteriorates and the, the days become short. Okay. Uh, I did have one other idea for a podcast episode, but to be honest, I think I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until I get my act together with my new microphone, my new laptop, and see if I can get back to something that's sounding a little bit more appropriate than this one. And you're like, it's fine. I don't notice a difference. Well, I do. I guess that's the point. I do. I notice a, an audio difference, and I like things to be just right. Uh, with some things that I do. Well, I think that's the end of Lodge Stick Bluff. Hope that that encourages you to read a little bit on your own or possibly watch the video online or both. And I guess that's it.
for this one. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. I love you, and goodbye.